0: Take your bibles this morning please and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Wonderful, wonderful declaration. How great is our God. I love the church. And there are a few things that get me more excited than to see people using their gifts to live out the gospel. The body of Christ serving and sharing with one another, encouraging one another, living out the wonder of our God and in, in their lives. If you've been paying attention, sports has just restarted. And I love to watch sports, and I and I love most of all to see the incredible use of abilities of gifts that these athletes have. I love to hear gifted musicians as they use their gifts to inspire and and encourage. I'm so thankful for gifted medical people who help mankind. But what really excites me is to see gifted people within the church, to watch gifted teachers proclaiming the truth of God's word, To see gifted givers reach out and meet so many people's needs. To watch gifted encouragers reach down and lift folks up. To watch gifted servers work behind the scenes and do so, so very much. A couple of Wednesdays ago on Wednesday Words... I identified several folks who work behind the scenes, who share together and and who allow us to to be part of ministry even during this difficult, difficult time. I love the church because it's a place of growth where gifted people get involved in other people's lives. You know, 1 Corinthians tells us that the Spirit of God has... Gifted individuals to make a difference. Gifted individuals so that they could be part of the common good. So that we could care for one another. So that we could collectively live out the truth of God's word. I love the church. A couple of weeks ago I spoke on Ephesians chapter 4. When we talked about growing together. And part of my responsibility is to build you up so that you can do the work of the ministry. And that is using your gifts. We come to 1 Peter this morning and I remind you that Peter is writing to sojourners, travelers, elected exiles within the body of Christ. Now these folks are living in a very confusing culture. They're being pushed and persecuted and there is suffering and sacrifice that is taking place in their lives in fact when Peter is writing this this is just as Nero is starting his persecution of believers of Christians and Peter is not real sure how much longer he has to even share the gospel but as he writes to these individuals Peter reminds them that they are God's people. Never forget that whatever is going on in your life, you're God's own chosen one. God, in a very special way, has put his hand upon you and is working in your life and will continue to show his faithfulness as he evidences his love for you through your life. And as God's people, Peter says that there is a living hope and that we've been born again to. Love and joy and faith and grace is to flow from our lives because that's a living hope. He reminds us that we are living stones. Built up a spiritual house to offer up sacrifices to our God. And he tells us that we are to be light in darkness. I hope that encourages you this morning. Because in these difficult times, in these confusing times, in these times that we're pushed and pulled in a lot of different directions, we need to remember who we are. We are God's people. And we've been given a living hope in the gospel. We are living stones to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And we are light in darkness. And that is so, so very important in our lives. Here in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter reminds us that we are to be stewards of God's grace. And in verse 6, he says that it is the gospel that changes everything. Because we were once dead, but now we are alive in the spirit because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Peter goes on to identify some wonderful gifts that God has given to us. I'm going to ask that our students share with us 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse 7 down through verse 11. Listen to them as they read this passage for us. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and self-reminded for the sake of your prayers. All of all, eat love in the number of Since all our colors and multitude of, sins, of sins, show us the to one another without our As, as each has received a gift, used it to serve one, one another as, as good stewards of God's Mary Grace. Whoever, whoever speaks as one who speaks, who speaks oracles of God, whoever, whoever serves as one who serves, serves by, the by the strength that God supplies, a challenge of doing it outside, right? Thank you, guys. Appreciate that so much. Peter begins this section by saying, the end of all things is at hand. Now, this was written in about 62 or 63 A.D. And it was right during the persecution of Nero. And so there are a couple of things that Peter could be identifying here. The end of all things is at hand. He could be identifying the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. That would happen in 70 A.D. The Babylonian army first destroyed the temple in 586 B.C. And the Romans came in in 70 A.D. and destroyed the second temple in Jerusalem. And it was in retaliation for a revolt that was taking place among the Jews. And Rome came in and squelched that. And Peter could have been identifying that which would take place, the destruction of the temple. He also could be identifying the end of his own life. Nero would capture Peter. And Peter would become a martyr in just three or four short years. He would be crucified upside down because he was unwilling to be crucified in the same manner of his Lord. But most probably... Peter is referring to the end of the age, the the end of time. You, You say, well, that was back in the first century. And yet, here we are in the 21st century, and Jesus has not returned yet. Well, throughout the New Testament, we are told that the last days will come. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and he says, The last days will come and there will be difficult times during those last days. Jude tells us that in the last days there will be scoffers and ungodly passions. And in 1 John chapter 2, John writes that in the last days the Antichrist will show himself. There was a lot of discussion among God's people about the last days. In, in fact, in 2 Peter, Peter identifies that people are asking, where's the promise of his coming? If these are the last days, where is Jesus? Back in Acts chapter 1, they were told that this same Jesus who you see go into glory will, will so come in, like, where's he coming? When's he coming? Is this event real? If this is the last days. And it it's in that text in 2 Peter chapter 3 where Peter says a day with the Lord is is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day here we are 21st century wondering about the last days you know I'm so thankful that no matter where we are Jesus's promises are secure he said I'll never leave you nor forsake you isn't that great no matter what's going on in our lives, we can have the confidence that he is with us. He said, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Peter writes, the last days are upon us. The end of all things is at hand. And I want you to note the next word, therefore. Because this is the end of the age, because the end of all things are at hand, and we don't know when that is, we do have a responsibility. And I want you to know what that responsibility is. And here it is. Therefore, write this down use your gifts while you still have time. The end is coming. We don't know when that will be, but Peter is identifying gifts that have been given to us and we need to make sure we use those gifts while we still have time. Therefore, make sure you're using your gifts. This morning... I want to remind you of four incredible gifts that God has given to us. And you and I need to be involved in the use and development of those gifts until Jesus returns. 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's go on with verse 7. Therefore, Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The first incredible gift that I want to remind you is prayer. Have you thought about how wonderful prayer is? How you and I have the opportunity to let our requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding? will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about how We're told in Scripture that we should ask and seek and knock. We're also told in Scripture we have not because we ask not. And many times we ask selfishly. But the incredible gift of prayer ought to be part of our everyday lives. And Peter says we are to be self-controlled and sober-minded. For the sake of our prayers now self-control means that we are to have sound judgment sober-minded is that we are to have a calm spirit Swindoll in his commentary on first Peter says this today we might say stay cool don't be filled with anxiety Don't panic. Face life realistically. Realize that God is in control. Think about the wonder of laying our requests before a sovereign God who who knows the outcome before it's ever developed in our lives. You know, Jesus said, if we have faith of a grain of mustard seed, We can say that mountain, move, and it will be done. And James tells us in James chapter 1 that we need to ask in faith, nothing wavering, because if we we ask in faith wavering, we're like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro. Until Jesus comes back, you and I have the incredible gift of prayer. Now that's part of our mission statement, isn't it? That we are to multiply Christ like disciples. Multiply Christ like disciples who are passionate about their, their God, who are obedient to His Word, who are dependent upon Him in prayer, and then connected and authentic and relevant so that we can multiply Christ like disciples. I've been working through our mission statement as part of our Wednesday words. And a week ago I talked a little bit about prayer. And I, and I want to show a clip just to remind you. Because this, this is so important in, in my life. Prayer is such a gift that I cannot take it for granted. And I need to be desperate in my dependence upon my God. Brenda, will you show that please? Let me challenge you to recognize how much you need God in your life. It seems to me that when I get desperate, I do a better job of praying. What I have come to understand is that I am always desperate. I desperately need God in every area of my life. There is nothing that I can do without him. Now, I understand that goes against our American spirit. We pride ourselves with being able to work it out, pull ourselves up, set a course, and get her done. The the more I live life, the more I recognize the truth in what Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Now think about that. Without him, without Jesus, we can literally do nothing. I must be desperate for God. And recognize how much I need Him. I mean, really need Him in my life. And I accomplish that through prayer. May I remind you of the incredible gift that God has given to us in prayer? And may I challenge you to cast your care upon Him because He cares for you? May I remind you to Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, Philippians chapter 4. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord's at hand. That's right, He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us always, even in the end of the age. The Lord is at hand. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our request be made known unto God. <laughs> and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Well, keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I desperately need that in my life. And God has given me a gift to be able to go into His presence and to recognize my dependence upon Him. Back to 1 Peter chapter 4. We have the gift of prayer. We also have the gift of love. Verse 8. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Christians, children of God, can love like no one else can love. It's a gift. John says, we love him because he first loved us. Now think about the privilege that God has given to you to show love to a lost and dying world to recognize the wonder of God's working in our lives. Now, I need to remind you very quickly what love's all about. And in 1 Corinthians 13, that great love chapter, the Apostle Paul tells us this, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant, it's not rude, it does not insist on its own way. And only those who understand God's love in their lives can really demonstrate that kind of love. Love's a gift. A gift that God has given to all of us. Jesus said that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds. And we're to love our neighbors as ourself. And Peter says, keep loving one another earnestly fervently without seeing never stopping it's an intentional act from our lives now i need to tell you connie will tell you i'm not always lovable and there are times that connie did not like me very much but she still loves me and that demonstration of a self-sacrificial effort on her part Is a gift that God has given her. And I'm so thankful for that. But it's a gift that God has given to you too. That you can love and show his love and live out his love. It's a gift. Do not take it for granted. Recognize how valuable it is. And then Peter puts in this reminder true love covers a multitude of sins do you remember what we said about love love is patient and 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 kind it doesn't envy it's not arrogant or rude doesn't insist on its own way not irritable or resentful rejoices in the truth that that's love and love in its purest form puts in the background all of our shortcomings and we all have them. And it does that because we recognize God's love in our lives in spite of all of our shortcomings. What an incredible gift that God has given to us. Now I need to very quickly remind you that when Peter says love will cover a multitude of sins we should not take this as a doctrinal position when somebody violates scripture when somebody does not live by the truth we have a responsibility to invest in their lives James chapter 5 says my brothers if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his souls from death and will cover a multitude of sins. But I submit to you this morning that most of the time in our lives, we fail to love because of petty differences that don't amount to anything in light of eternity. We choose not to love, not to live out that gift that God has given to us because we're prickly or we're just a little irritated or it caught me at a bad time or I was offended. Now, when that happens, you have a responsibility to go and restore your relationship, right? It's always your turn. You've heard me say that time and time again. If you're worshiping at the altar and you are reminded that your brother has something against you, go, get it taken care of, and, and then come back and worship. If you have odd against a brother, you need to go to that brother and share with him. I mean, that's your love responsibility. That's the gift God has given to us to repair these relationships that are so valuable And important, do not discount the gift that God has given to you to be able to love in a supernatural way that only comes from a loving Heavenly Father. We have the gift of love. We also have the gift of serving. Verses 9 and 10. Showing hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, there it is, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the varied grace of God. We have the gift of service. now. Let me remind you that salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans six twenty three. for the rages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is a gift. And once we have received that gift, you and I have a responsibility to use that gift to minister to one another. And isn't that what Ephesians 2.10 says? For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now sometimes there's, there's tension in Scripture. It's okay, God intended that to happen. And the tension in Scripture may come out of James chapter 2 that simply says, faith without works is dead, being alone. And James then says, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And there are those who would take that and understand falsely that somehow we work out our salvation so that God is pleased with us and that allows us a place in heaven. That is false doctrine. That is arrogance to think that you and I could be good enough to check some boxes and do some kinds of things and that would make us good enough to get into God's heaven. There is none righteous, no not one, and. Salvation is by God's grace through faith. Grace alone, faith alone, and it is found only in Christ alone and only Jesus Christ, the sacrificial Lamb of God who shed His precious blood in payment for our sins could handle the great gap that our sin has caused between us and a holy God. But you and I have a gift beyond that. And that gift is that we can serve one another. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as I identified earlier, give to us the gifts of the Spirit. And in those gifts of the Spirit, we understand that we can care for one another. And the capability of the body, the potential of the body... And their commitment to God is to use that gift to make a difference in people's lives. Think about that. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on. But you have a gift of service. And it's a gift that allows us to collectively live out the gospel. Now, Peter identifies here a specific gift And he says in verse 9 show hospitality to one another the Greek word is be fond of guests be a lover of strangers now that's not easy for any of us I mean we know the people that we know right and we're comfortable with the people we're comfortable with right you have a life group And you're with those folks, and you share with those folks, and you're intimate with those folks, and and they care about you. But what about those outside your group? Well, that's just hard, Pastor. You're right. And when Peter identifies hospitality as being a lover of strangers, you and I need to recognize, especially within the body of Christ, that our responsibility is to serve the whole body. And maybe we need to invest in some folks that we don't know so that they're no longer strangers. They're part of our lives. Now that takes intentionality, and that takes investment, and that takes interest in somebody else's life. And we're all busy. I, I get that. But Peter, through the Holy Spirit, specifically identifies service. The gift that God has given to us in the form of hospitality. I like what the writer of Hebrews says when he says, don't neglect hospitality for some of you have entertained angels unaware. Can you imagine I don't want to miss any opportunities to entertain an angel. How about you? And I have one in my wife. But I I, I don't want to miss that. And the people that God brings into our lives or the opportunities that God gives us from our lives, you just might have an angel encounter as we share with those that we don't know. Scripture gives us some 25 admonitions about how we are to invest in one another's lives. How we are to serve one another according to Galatians chapter 5. How we are to encourage one another according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. How we are to love one another. Let me flip back to 1 John chapter 4. Listen to what John writes. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. The gift of love, right? For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We have the gift of love so that we can have the gift of service. You're not going to serve anyone that you don't love. And Peter identifies that here in chapter 4. And he says, Do it without grumbling. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a representative of the children of Israel as they were in the wilderness. They grumbled. They grumbled. They murmured. They complained. I want to be a user of the gift of serving. Hospitality, serving one another, encouraging one another, finding those connection points in relationships. Growing together as part of the body, part of the family. I want to use that gift for the honor and glory of my God. And then in verse 11, Peter writes, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies you see you and I can't do it in our own strength we can only do it in the wonder and power of our God and what did Paul write to the believers at Philippi I can do all things (laughs) including using the gift of love to develop the gift of service through Christ who strengthens me. One more incredible gift. <laughs> and and I, I want you to note this, please. Going on in verse 11 In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has given to you, God has given to me, the incredible gift of bringing honor and glory to God. Only God's people can do that. And the reason I say that is because all others are dead in their trespasses and sins. And you and I have been made alive in Jesus Christ, and we can glorify God. And that's what God desires. God is not looking for you and me to check off some boxes of some things we're doing. God is looking for you and me to give honor and glory to Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. May I remind you a bit of the history as identified in Scripture? God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And the text says he did it so that he could get glory. God spared his people and took them to the promised land so that his name would be glorified. Daniel was used to to bring back people from the captivity. Why? So that God would get glory. The incarnation of His Son, Jesus Christ, was all about bringing honor and glory to the Father. John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and and full of truth. It's all about the glory of God lived out through your life and my life. It's not so that Calvary Baptist Church can be significant here in Battle Creek. It's about you and I bringing glory to God. Even the cross, according to John chapter 12, was to bring honor and glory to God. In Isaiah chapter 48, reminded that God said, my glory I will not give to another. Over the last number of weeks, I have quoted a number of passages from a book which I'm reading, a book by John Piper entitled Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. And in that book, he quotes Jonathan Edwards. And he says this, God had respect of himself as his last and highest end in this work because he is worthy in himself to be so. Being infinitely the greatest and best of beings, all things else with regard to worthiness, importance, and excellence are perfectly as nothing in comparison to God. All that is ever spoken of in the scripture as an ultimate end of God's works, is included in the one phrase, the glory of God. And we've been given the incredible gift to bring glory to God. Oh, what a privilege you and I have. I love the church. I love the church because it's a place where I get To observe gifted people using their gifts for the glory of God. It's a place where we share together the gift of prayer. Wednesday night, as we receive that prayer sheet and we invest in people's lives and we encourage one another, we get to pray. It's a place where we get to love. We love because we have discovered what true love is all about. In the person of Jesus Christ. And his spirit uses that in our lives. To reach out. We get to serve. I mean we get to serve. What a gift. That I am so thankful for those who use that gift. in, In incredible ways to make a difference within the body. I love the church. But I love the church. Because we get together and we give glory to God it's not about us it's about the wonder of our God working in our lives to him be glory forever and ever amen let it be so in my life we started this text with how Peter identifies our timetable. He says, the end of all things is at hand. And I challenged you to use the wonderful gifts that God has given to us while we still have time. My dad is 92. My mom is 94. And we have had this conversation I call them at least once a week and connect with them and try to encourage them all I can besides I like my mom saying Tom I sure am glad you were my firstborn I guess that means that all my siblings pale in comparison but many times during those conversations my dad will use this phrase I wish we could And then he will identify some activity that because they're 92 and 94, they can't do it anymore. And many times it's an activity where they wish they could be involved more in their children's lives, in their grandchildren's lives, in their great-grandkids' lives. So I said, we've had this conversation. And here's the conversation. My dad has served God all of his life. And there have been times when there have been other priorities rather than being involved in the kids and grandkids and great-grandkids' lives. And I said, Dad, I wish you wouldn't say that. Because when you had a time that you could, you didn't. i don't want to get to glory folks and have my loving heavenly father through his son jesus christ look at me and say tom there was a time you could have and you didn't i gifted you in prayer and you didn't spend near the energy that you should have in prayer i gifted you in love and yet there were times that you were unloving I gifted you in service, and and still you missed opportunities to serve. And I I gifted you to, to bring glory to my life. And there were times it was all about you, and it wasn't about the God, the sovereign God of the universe. I don't want to stand before him and in my mind say, I wish I could, but I didn't. We have incredible gifts that God has given to us. And the reality is, the end of all things is at hand. Now, that may be the end of the age. It may be the end of you and me. I don't know. But the truth is, the end is, it's here. Oh, God, challenge our lives to use the gifts that you've given to us. Because that's what brings honor and glory to your